Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. Draft your team with no in-season management. Get the optimal score each week of the season and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money in their Best Ball Mania 3 contest. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up with promo code FSE, and Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with promo code FSE and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with the final installment of our Top 12 Dynasty Ranking Series. Coming at you today with the tight ends, as we did for the other uh, videos, running backs, wide receivers, and quarterbacks. We're going to break this down from our foundational tight ends, meaning tight ends from age 21 to 26, and our contending tight ends, 27 plus, and break these guys down within our Top 12 overall dynasty tight ends also give you some quick notes on how to handle the position in your dynasty startup drafts so if you guys enjoy this video at any point if you want access to uh the rest of our rankings check out the links in the description patreon underdogfantasy.com promo code fse is how you can get them like the video if you enjoy comment any of your thoughts down below as well and subscribe to the channel if you are new but before we get into it danny how you doing doing well and yeah just finally able to finish out these rankings we go out already as you guys would have seen talked about quarterbacks running backs and wide receivers now we're ending it off with uh what we like to refer to as the gross position in our draft the tight end position neither my uh, myself or Corey are really big uh avid tight end enjoyers to say the least so you know we got to give you guys the context though you guys subscribe to the channel you guys want to see the content we will talk about the quote-unquote grossest position, especially after the top five, because as you guys will see as we go through this list, yeah, there's some optimism. There's some you know fun guys later on in your drafts, but for the most part, after the top five, you're, you're just making bold cases for a lot of these guys. Yeah, and uh, you guys will be seeing this video on uh, Sunday, actually. Starting next week, we are going to be doing Dynasty Decisions the entire week. We have so many questions from you guys that we like need to empty our queue. We need to drop like four or five Dynasty Decisions episodes in a week. We're going to, instead of putting 10 per episode and making the videos a little longer, we'll probably do like eight per episode to make, uh, you know, four or five Dynasty Decisions videos throughout the week. So if you want to be a part of those as well, feel free to reach out to us. Patrons get first priority. Twitter and Discord is how you get access to us if you are not a member of the Patreon. So before we get into this video, as always, though, got to hit the intro. All right, so the tight end position. Some quick notes on how we handle this position in a dynasty startup draft. I am team fade tight end pretty much into oblivion. Danny's more likely to take early tight ends than me, but the way I look at this position is if I don't get Pitts or Andrews, a lot of the time I'm targeting guys like Goddard and Knox and Schultz. If I miss out on uh, the top tier guys, I usually skip over the middle tier. Guys like TJ Hawkinson and you know guys like that, I just I typically don't find myself drafting very often because of the wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks that you have to pass up on in those areas. Um, so I'll usually, and if I miss out even on those, those other mid round guys, I usually take swings at Fant, Komet, Irv Smith, Albert O, McBride, guys like that uh, all together. And I'll take two or three of those dudes. So that's typically from a micro level, how I handle the position, just given what we know about ADP and uh, dynasty startups this year, I'm not usually likely to take, I mean, I pray I will probably never draft Travis Kelsey in a startup. That, that's for sure. Uh, but even like guys like Kittle and Waller, for the most part, I don't find myself drafting very often. 
Yeah, I mean, I have one share of Kittle. Uh, he did fall to me at value, though. I mean, in the tight end premium, fell to me at the back end of the fourth round. And I don't care what type of structure you're in at that point. If you can get a legitimate 1,200, 1,300-plus yard tight end at that point, I'm fine with it. But as you guys kind of know on the channel, I mean, realistically, in the dynasty draft scene in general, if you're in a startup draft, your whole goal should be, what's my best bang for my buck? How do I compare this opportunity cost? When is the appropriate time to take x tight end over whatever whatever other position is on the board because to put it simply a lot of people will see the empty tight end slot similar to what we said with the running back video a lot of people will see that empty slot and think oh well i need a tight end before it dries up i need a tight end before it dries up without actually realizing that for the most part especially in a productive struggle you don't need a tight end to fill that spot you don't need a player to fill that spot realistically your whole goal in a startup should be to keep accumulating 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 value I would never just force a tight end. Like I would never force a Travis Kelsey just to take him, just to have a tight end. If I know, you know, for example, a guy like, you know, you're going to get be out of like the DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson range, but that next tier of wide receiver, your Elijah Moore's, your Devontae Smith's, your Marquise Brown, uh, Marquise Jr., Rashad Bateman's, there is no chance I am forcing a tight end pick there unless, you know, a Kittle maybe falls when I have that amount of elite potential type of wide receiver staring me in the face. Yeah, and uh, the next point that we have here is that the tight end position does have a lot of longevity too. So if you can get good value in a startup on guys like Kyle Pitts or um, you know Pat Fryermuth or even any of the other younger tight ends that you might like, I don't mind holding tight ends throughout a productive struggle because even if they're 24, 25, 26 years old, typically we see tight ends be productive 27, 28, 29 into their 30s. It's not like the running back position where I would never draft like a 25, 26-year-old running back in a productive struggle, but I'm okay doing it at the tight end position because it generally um, similar to wide receiver and uh, quarterback to some extent, players can play uh, into their late twenties and early thirties uh, with relative success. And we're seeing even, you know, from a redraft perspective, Kelsey Ertz, Gronkowski, those guys will all be like top 10 tight ends for me, assuming uh, Gronkowski comes back. And then uh, one of the best uh, things that I love to do with the tight end position is stacking up on a lot of dart throws late, because once you get to like round 20, uh, around 22 and shit like that. There's like no good wide receivers, running backs or quarterbacks left on the board. And I don't mind grabbing guys like Greg Dolchich and Brevin Jordan, Jelani Woods, Tommy Tremble, even some veteran guys like Austin Hooper, Jonu Smith, anybody like that. Once you're in the 20 plus rounds, I, I don't mind filling out your depth that way. So for example, in our uh, tone setters draft, I drafted Dallas Goddard in round like eight or nine or something like that. And I didn't draft another tight end until those late rounds when I was just taking shots. Yeah, no, exactly. And it, it is funny because, I mean, people will always think, oh, well, if I wait too long, like I'm not going to get value. I'm not going to get value. First of all, I mean, again, I don't I don't mean to be that guy, but we talked about it with the running back video. But there's a few relatively solid tight end prospects coming in. So even if you miss out on a tight end in your startup draft, if you realistically accumulated a bunch of 2023 capital, played the productive struggle game right, you could be looking at within the next couple of years having a Michael Mayer, having a Brock Bowers, having an Arik Gilbert if he breaks out, a tight end like that to end up heading a group. So overall, a lot of people kind of think from a straight binary stance that if they don't leave their startup with a position group that they're automatically going to be weaker at that position when they're ready to contend. When in actuality, we see it every year, new, fresh faces coming onto the dynasty scene that replenishes certain positions. And Quite frankly, I think I feel like this is probably like the deepest tight end has been in a while. And I feel like we, we we might say this every year, but there are like, you know, the names at the top, the top five names at the top are super strong. And then genuinely from like six to like 15, 
Like you can make the case of swapping that order in any way you want. Yeah, there's guys like Okwebunam and Joku, Komet, Irv Smith. That you can make cases for some of these guys. And like you said too, the other underrated part about uh, stacking up for a productive struggle is collecting second round picks, which is where tight yes. ends usually go if they're good tight end prospects. If you were a productive struggle for the last couple of years, you probably stacked up on second round picks in this draft class and you were able to grab a Trey McBride. Or if you had it in last year's draft class, you were able to grab a Pat Fryermuth or somebody like that. So you're before Komet. Um, yeah, exactly. Komet and and next year, maybe even Michael Mayer is not even a first round pick. We 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 know how strong the class is at the top. There's a chance that Michael Mayer gets pushed into the second round. Yep. No, I, I fully agree. So with that being said, we can get on to the first overall tight end in our foundational bucket and our first tight end overall. And if you guys have watched the channel, this should come as no surprise. We're talking about the 21 year old phenom Kyle Pitts from the Atlanta Falcons, the gold standard of tight end in dynasty fantasy football. When you're talking about Kyle Pitts, it's pretty simple. We're looking at the best tight end prospect of all time. I don't really think it's arguable at this point. The production profile, the athletic profile, the draft capital, fourth overall draft selected, best all time. His prospect profile coming into the NFL was spotless. And he all he already went out first season, rookie season, commanded a 19.2% target share as a rookie en route to over 1,000 receiving yards as a rookie tight end. Don't view this guy as your bog standard tight end. You know, he's, you'll be lucky. He'll have to return on touchdowns to return on investment. This is a legitimate elite wide receiver at the tight end position. So you're getting that flexibility. His current ADP right now, tight end one tenth overall on keep trade cut, tight end three, 31.8 or 32nd overall on underdog fantasy. And to put it simply, imagine you were able to invest in Travis Kelsey when he was 22 years old. That is basically what's at store for you if you take Kyle Pitts in your drafts. He is the type of cornerstone value-insulated asset I have no trouble taking in the top 10 picks of my draft. He's currently my 8th ranked player. The only players in fantasy, in dynasty, that I would take above Kyle Pitts are the top 5 quarterbacks, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. I would take Kyle Pitts over any single other player in my drafts, and you might only have to take him for the most part. He says his value is 10th overall. For the most part, I've been seeing him going at that one-two turn. You're telling me you can stack up Kyle Pitts and Trey Lance or Kyle Pitts and Dak Prescott and just have the most valuable tight end for the next 10 to 15 years locked and loaded in that tight end slot for the foreseeable future? I'm smashing that any day I can get the chance. Yeah, Kyle Pitts, having as good of a season as he did on the 26th highest scoring offense, an offense that was like basically anemic once Calvin Ridley was gone, they just... Kyle Pitts commanded so much attention from defenses. Drake London's going to help like massively with that. And Drake London, hopefully, and Kyle Pitts become, you know, the twin towers as they call themselves uh, for the foreseeable future. So not a lot of spot, uh, time we need to spend on Kyle Pitts. If you want to acquire Kyle Pitts in a trade, good luck. Cause it's going to cost you an arm, a leg and a bunch of other body parts because nobody wants to trade this guy away, especially in a tight end premium In a tight end premium. You got to spend three, four first round picks to get this dude. And tight end premium, easily four first rounders. I was just about to say, in a, in a non-tight end premium, you could offer somebody three first round picks and it wouldn't be an auto smash for them. You can only realistically say that about, as I mentioned, the top five quarterbacks, J Jamar, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I think any other player, if you got on the table right now, here, listen, I'm willing to give you three first round picks. I would sell any Jonathan Taylor in a heartbeat for three. In a heartbeat. Picks. I would sell Joe Burrow, you know, any Deshaun Watson. I would sell those guys pretty, pretty, maybe not in a heartbeat with those quarterbacks, but definitely I would sell them for three first round picks if I was looking to rebuild. 
Yep. So uh, either way, we can get on to, we talked about the dynasty tight end one. Let's get on to the dynasty tight end two and arguably the redraft tight end one going into this year. The guy who finished that redraft tight end one this past year. I'll let you take it away with the case for Mark Andrews, the tight end from the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, so tight end two, 19th overall on keep trade cuts. So a guy that is going inside the, the, the top two rounds, tight end two, 16th overall on underdog fantasy. Little rich for my blood, honestly. I'm, I am I just typically don't subscribe to taking tight ends early, so I'm not going to end up with a lot of Mark Andrews. Thankfully, I already have him on one of my teams because I made a trade with Danny where he uh, got taken to the woodshed for A.J. Brown, and I got Mark Andrews out of that trade. But um, if I'm doing a startup this offseason, I'm probably not going to end up with Mark Andrews just simply by how high he's going and over some quarterbacks and wide receivers that I would just rather have over him. Three straight top five finishes, though, over the last three years, including number one this past season, led all tight ends and targets with over 150 of them. Target share, red zone share uh, of targets, deep targets, anything you can point to target related. Mark Andrews was the best tight end in the league this year. Any decrease that we see in the passing volume for the Baltimore Ravens, because I do think they're not going to throw over 600 times again. Um, should be offset by the fact that Hollywood Brown, who is the leading, the second leading receiver on that team, is no longer there. And yeah, Rashad Bateman is um, probably going to take a step forward. But I think between Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews, if they only throw 510 times this season, those two guys should have more than enough targets to be able to uh, be high-end pieces at their positions. And while it's tough to imagine Mark Andrews getting 154 targets again, we got to remember that going into last year, he only had 88 targets in 2020 and was the tight end four in points per game. So he can get by on low target volume. If he has 110, 115 targets this year, I have no problem saying that he could still finish as the tight end one. And I mean, realistically, expecting any player, period. Never mind a guy that's the alpha in his offense, period, especially losing Marquise Brown. Expecting any player to decrease at that level of targets is... I think ridiculous. Like, honestly, like you could be as pessimistic as possible for Baltimore. They are going to inherently throw the football more than they did prior to last year. Yes. They're probably not going to equate last year's raw passing total raw passing output. But I mean, this is still going to be a team that probably flirts around, you know, the 500 to 520 pass attempt range. They still got bottom five in the NFL, but it's still a hundred more times than they threw it before. Yeah, and if Mark Andrews is getting, you know, 25% of that, you could still basically slate him in for 130, 135 targets. And that, and that's like the floor. Like, that's the floor. Like, they revert back to that amount of targets. If Mark Andrews is still getting a 25% target share, you're at about 130, 135. Mark Andrews on 130, 135 targets is still a 1,200-plus yard, 8-plus touchdown type of tight end, given his efficiency and given the way he's used in that offense. No qualms about it. He is going to be my redraft tight end as uh, tight end one as well. Um, I'm fine with taking him. Like it, it, usually, I, I would want him to fall a little bit because of the receivers and like a DeAndre Swift type currently going behind him. But if he gets into like you know that twenty to twenty four type of range back into the second, I, I I'm no issues taking him there. No issues. Yeah, for sure. So um, we can move on to the next tight end, which is T.J. Hawkinson, tight end five. 63rd overall on keep trade cut tight end seven 83rd overall on underdog fantasy. He is our current um, tight end three in terms of uh, foundational tight ends. But I I think, and we, you definitely agree is definitely one of the more overrated dynasty assets right now. Yeah. I uh, actually like when we were doing our notes, I actually ended up swapping as you guys will see in a bit Schultz over Hawkinson in my ranking straight up both redraft and dynasty. We have them here, but this is easily one of the biggest fugazes, one of the biggest avoids in fantasy football, both dynasty and, I mean, redraft too. I don't want to spend an eight, a top 85 pick on him. I just don't think he has the ceiling to be able to return on investment there. But the more egregious thing to me is 
tight end five, 63rd overall in keep trade cut. We'll get into where, you know, some of these other tight ends are going, but a top 65 on TJ Hawkinson just flat out ain't it. To put it simply, instead of drafting Hawkinson at, at 63, either trade up to that Kittle range. Kittle's currently going at f- pick 57. Either trade up into the Kittle range or just punt the tight end and wait for those other options, your Schultzes, your Knoxes, your Goddess, guys like that later on. Because with TJ Hawkinson, you're betting on an average to slightly above average athlete to figure into that Zach, Zach Ertz type of path to excellence. That Zach Ertz, you know, elite target share, elite target total type of tight end while not having that splash big play type of ability. That is the type of return on investment, that term term of pathing that you would be hoping for if you invest in TJ Hawkinson. In order for this guy to have the Kittle, Waller, Kelsey, you know, like an elite tight end type of season, he probably needs 140, 150 targets. Yeah, and I think last year you can argue that I mean he before he got injured he was playing pretty well, but like I mean with Amon before Amon Ra broke onto the scene it was really just him and Swift for targets uh, for Jared Goff to throw to, and T.J. Hawkinson probably should have been uh, better than he was before he ended up going down with an injury. Now they had Jamison Williams, Amon Ra's in his second year, DeAndre Swift will be back healthy. I, I think the target competition argument it, it really does apply to T.J. Hawkinson because like you said. His path to an elite finish is a Zach Ertz level target share, and I just don't think he'll get it now with all these pieces now added to the Lions offense, and it's still being led by Jared Goff. It's, you know, four solid targets in this offense now with Jared Goff throwing the ball to them. So I'm not overly excited about spending a high draft pick on TJ Hawkinson. I would probably look uh, to just bypass him for wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks going in that area. So uh, the next guy that we have here is Pat Fryermuth, tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tight end seven, 100th overall on keep trade cut, nearly 40 picks after TJ Hawkinson, which I would just rather have Pat Fryermuth at that point. Um, tight end 11, 124 on underdog. Huge value there, in my opinion. Rookie tight ends aren't supposed to do what Pat Fryermuth did. And the thing that you have to consider about Pat Fryermuth and why what he did was so impressive is, number one, if it wasn't for Kyle Pitts, we would spend a lot more time talking about Pat Fryermuth's rookie season. And number two, he was behind a former multi-time pro bowler on the on the depth chart. Eric Ebron was on the field for the most part um, for most of the season, and Pat Fryermuth had to overcome that obstacle, and he did towards the back half of the season. Now solidified as the full-time tight end in that offense, he should have a big up, a big-time uptick in his target share. The overall passing volume, like we talked about with Deontay Johnson, might go down to the Steelers' offense now with a rookie quarterback. But in games where Pat Fryermuth ran 20 or more routes, so he was the full-time tight end in those games, he had four, seven, seven, six, nine, seven, four, three, six, and nine targets. So in 10 games, 6.2 targets per game or 105 target pace on the season. Again, as a rookie tight end while splitting time with Eric Ebron. So I think what we're looking at with Fryermuth is probably a guy that is going to probably be capped around 100 targets, just given Kenny Pickett's a rookie quarterback. He's probably not going to throw 650 times. But Fryermuth could definitely be a solid touchdown or bust top 10 tight end option this year. And he's 23 years old. Yeah, I, know, I don't mind it. And uh, honestly, like, I think you, you might even be underselling it in terms of like athleticism, in terms of maybe, you know, intermediate role, eight to 10 touchdown type of ability. Like, he's, his bull case is relatively similar to, you know, last year, Dalton Schultz. I I, I wouldn't put that out of, the, out of the frame of mind because, I mean, he is an athletic, relatively athletic option. He is a big target. He can touch, uh, can contribute in the red zone. So I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, he had that type of breakout year. And obviously, you're getting, you know, a three-year aid discount to realistically all these other tight ends uh, in this age for the most part, apart from Noah Fant. So, yeah, I, I don't mind that. I don't mind Pat Fryermuth. I think he's a fine pick. He's not someone I'm, you know, 
jumping out of my seat to try to draft, but if I can get him at value, if I'm in a, you know a, a, a draft room that's just fading this guy for whatever reason, like I'm I'm fine with taking the plunge on him if it's uh you know rel- relatively good value. I mean, a hundredth pick is about fair, I'd say. I think he's a great trade target for those of you guys that are rebuilding as well, because he is really young. He's not going to be in his prime 25, 26 years old for another couple of years. And I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if he was the second leading receiver on that team this season uh, behind Deontay Johnson, because I mean, Claypool can't get his head out of his ass. George Pickens is a rookie wide receiver. I could, I could definitely see for having 105, 110 targets this year being second on the team behind Deontay Johnson. And like I said, he's a 23 year old tight end who just had a great rookie season. So uh, let's go to uh, Dawson Knox and uh, Dalton Schultz. We had a big debate before we were um, before we started recording about these guys because you have Dalton Schultz higher, I have Dawson Knox higher. So I'll let you start with Dalton Schultz. Tight end 9, 111th overall in keep trade cut. Tight end 6, 73rd overall on underdog fantasy. Yeah, I, I think his uh, underdog fantasy, you know, ADP is appropriate. Again, with my philosophy for the most part on underdog, like, yeah, if he falls a, a value, I'm, I'm fine with taking him. But for the most part, if I'm not getting one of the top five tight ends, I'm most likely just going to punt the position. But if I were to take, you know, a tight end in a managed league, I think Schultz 73rd pick is probably reasonable. My biggest thing here is tight end nine, 111th overall on under or on keep trade cut. He had 104 targets in 2021 en route to a top five tight end finish. He's tethered to an elite offense and now has the opportunity to step up into that pseudo second target uh, in terms of the offensive philosophy role with Amari Cooper in Cleveland and with Michael Gallup on IR to start the year. Again, this is not a vacated targets argument. This is more so the offense, if they want to keep it a hold, is going to have to run through CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz, given the fact that Jalen Tolbert is a rookie wide receiver. And while James Washington is a fine wide receiver 3-4 type, he is not going to be a significant dent into the mainstays of this offense from last year, which, by the way, Dalton Schultz last year, 78 receptions, nearly 850 yards and eight touchdowns in that breakout season. But I wouldn't be shocked if in that first, you know, four-week stretch when Michael Gallup's recovering from that ACL, Dalton Schultz could be a top three-level type of tight end. And to put it simply in Dynasty, why would I ever spend a top 65 pick on TJ Hawkinson when I can get Dalton Schultz past pick 100? Again, this is all an opportunity cost type of argument. You can get, you know, 65th overall pick, Maybe Elijah Moore falls in your drafts. Maybe, you know, Traylon Burks falls a little bit. What other receivers? Devontae Smith. Uh, guys in that type of, you know, top 20, like Marquise Brown. Uh, Rashad Williams, Bain, Terry McLaurin, Chris Olave. You're passing on receivers like that to take TJ Hawkinson. But when you get to the Dalton Schultz range, you're arguing with him with, like, as much as I love Michael Gallup. Chase like the Michael, Claypool. Chase probably. Claypool, Michael Gallup, Wandale Robinson. Like, Alan Robinson, if you're going for a veteran. Like to put it simply, would you rather have Rashad Bateman and Dalton Schultz or TJ Hawkinson and like Wandale Robinson? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it, it, it's a no-brainer. Give me, give me Dalton Schultz all day, every day. And to put it simply, like, what does TJ Hawkinson have that Dalton Schultz doesn't? The thing that I can say that a year, Dalton a Schultz- year of age, a year. That's literally, it. and it's not even a huge difference. If if TJ Hawkinson was twenty-two and a half years old and Dalton Schultz was twenty-five point nine years old be a little sure. bit different than you got a lot of projectability there, but TJ Hawkinson has been in the NFL for three seasons now. And um, he's probably rounded into his own as far as his role is considered. So it's not like we're like projecting a huge uptick in volume and routes and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty easy to, to realize that, that TJ Hawkinson is probably a little overvalued, especially given what his bull case is and how likely he is to achieve it. 
In fact, like I mentioned, what does Hawkinson have that Schultz doesn't? I could just make the argument that Schultz has an insulated offensive situation that Hawkinson doesn't. So realistically, I know this is going to sound gutty, but the more I think about it, I would take Dalton Schultz all formats over TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, and like you said, it's a huge opportunity cost discount from a yes. dynasty perspective. It is. I think he is going ahead of him in redraft, but from a dynasty perspective, it is a big-time discount. So um, Dawson Knox, the other guy that is in this territory, I, I really like both of these guys, tight end 10. 125th overall and keep trade cut for Dawson Knox, nearly 60 picks after TJ Hawkinson. Tight end nine, 99th overall on underdog fantasy. Again, another great value there. Um, this is Josh Allen's BFF. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's narrative-y, but they, they do have good chemistry. They're best friends in real life. He had a breakout top 10 finish last year as the tight end nine in points per game. In his first real season, really having a full-time role. He had been splitting time with a number of other tight ends in previous years. They bring in O.J. Howard, but trust me, as a Bucks fan, O.J. Howard just doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. He's not going to be a huge impact to Dawson Knox, in my opinion. The appeal is obvious with Dawson Knox, for those of you that are high on him, because he's top five in red zone targets at the position last year for a quarterback who's probably going to throw between 35 and 50 passing touchdowns this year. Uh, Josh Allen is an elite quarterback in the NFL, and Dawson Knox, as a guy that can be a red zone, at the bare minimum, a red zone target for him, if not grow into a feature role of the offense, He's going to have 10 touchdown upside, even if he only has 75, 80 targets this year. And there's the upside that Dawson Knox is the elite athlete. He was coming out of college, 9.26 math bomb score coming out of old uh, of old miss. Finally, a full-time player for the first time in his career, in his third season last year, in his fourth season, we've seen that three, that third and fourth season be a, a sticking point for tight ends in the past to, to fully develop. And if Dawson Knox goes from what, like 71 targets that he had this year, to 100 targets, it wouldn't shock me at all. And if he has 10 touchdowns and 100 targets, he's going to be a top six tight end in redraft. And he's, again, a pretty young player, still at only uh, 24 and a half, I believe is how old he is. Yep. No, I, I I agree. I mean, I'm not, you know, the highest on Dawson Knox, but I mean, if he's currently he's going... And a half, not 24 and a half. Yeah, I, well, I was just going to say, if he's currently going, you know, 125th overall keep trade cut, I, again, I would much rather Dawson Knox at 125th overall than I would TJ Hawkinson quite literally almost half the picks in front of him like 63 versus you know 126 but 125 is close enough he is going 62 picks ahead of Dawson Knox and I can make the case that Dawson Knox f- finishes ahead of him this year so yeah I I don't mind it Dawson Knox you know you want to punt the tight end take this guy you know the late 10th early 11th area I, I don't think that's an issue we can move on to the the next tight end and we'll try to keep these you know relatively brief from here on out we don't want to keep you guys for too long to talk about tight ends Next guy I'm going to talk about, Noah Fant, tight end from the Seattle Seahawks. Currently going off the board, tight end 14, 148th overall on keep trade cut. Tight end 21, 169.2 overall on underdog fantasy. So an extreme value given the athletic upside that Noah Fant possesses. I mean, he has garnered over an 18% target share in the last two years and possesses arguably the second best athletic profile amongst tight ends behind Cal Pitts in the entire NFL. He is one of the most like interesting debates among dynasty circles. And he, in my opinion, the best, you know, comparison to him would probably be the DJ Moore of tight ends, where you got the athletic ability, you got the ability to command targets, but the situation thus far in their careers just hasn't really materialized into a top end level fantasy finish. And we we talked about this last year when we talked about our tight end show, our tight end dynasty rankings. But to me, Noah Fant is like beachfront real estate where if the situation ever figures itself out for Noah Fant, if he ever gets a quality quarterback, if he ever gets in a situation that will throw the ball across the yard, you could be talking about like the next Darren Waller. 
I think Darren Waller could be in the range of outcomes for Noah Fant, given the athletic ability, given the ability to command targets, and given the production we've already seen. I mean, to put it simply, his former Iowa teammate, I, I hate to keep keep making this a shit on TJ Hawkinson show, but like, what has TJ Hawkinson done his, in his career that Noah Fant hasn't? Not much. Their, their target shares are relatively similar. And uh, I mean, Noah Fant, just with the, uh, the unluckiest trade of all time for his dynasty value, where he finally gets the quarterback upgrade in Denver, but he's part of the trade to go back the other way to the, te- to the team now that has no quarterback. So I'd be interested to see if like, because I think one of Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield is going to end up in Seattle. I don't think they're going to go into the season with Drew Locke. I just, I don't think they're going to actually talk themselves into that. If Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback in this in, for the Seattle Seahawks going into the season, I could see Noah Fant being a guy that he gravitates towards. We've seen him feed his tight ends before, obviously, with George Kittle. So uh, that could be interesting. I think tight end 21 is a really, really good value for him in redrafts. Yes. And tight end 14 for, for rebuilding teams, I think he's a great value as well. Let's move on to the final guy in this territory of foundational tight ends. Cole Komet, tight end for the Chicago Bears, tight end 11 off the board, 132nd overall on keep trade cut, tight end 17, 146th overall on underdog fantasy Cole Komet quite simply had a breakout season last year and nobody noticed because he didn't score a touchdown (laughs) 93 targets 60 catches 612 yards would have been a good season if he scored like six or seven touchdowns but he scored zero so um with Allen Robinson now gone again not a vacated targets argument necessarily but it does matter it's just him and Darnell Mooney competing for targets unless you know you think 25 year old Velas Jones is going to do anything if he scored six touchdowns last year he would have had the same season Pat Fryermuth had they would have been 9.5 points per game each uh, another year to develop, too, for Cole Komet. He was only a second-year tight end last year with a, a rookie quarterback. He doesn't have a rookie quarterback anymore, and it's just Mooney to compete for with targets. I think Cole Komet is a sneaky candidate to do what Dallas Goddard and Dalton Schultz did the past couple of years. Yeah, no, I I, I see that as well. Uh, Cole Komet, no, similar. You, you mentioned Dalton Schultz. If Justin Fields takes the step that I think his talent would dictate, Realistically, Mooney's going to be a top 20-ish type of wide receiver given the elite target share he's shown, given the athletic ability, the, the talent that he's shown on the outside there. And Cole Komet could very well be a top 8 to 10 type of tight end. Um, is he going to have you know an elite ceiling? I don't think he has you know Kelsey, Kittle, Mark Andrews in the range of outcomes for him, but could he have you know a Zach Ertz return on investment? I think he can do that. Dalton Schultz return on investment. I think he could do that. I think he's a comparative athlete to both those guys. And you're mentioning that he commanded targets last year. Were they pretty targets? Were they efficient targets? Not really, but nothing about the Bears offense as a whole last year was efficient, to put it simply. The fact is, a senior tight end commanding 93 targets is something that should be raising our eyes. Yeah, and a top 11 target share at the position uh, yeah. and top 10 target rate at the position when he was out running routes. 23.5% of the time he was running a route, he was commanding a target, which for second-year tight end, that's that's pretty damn good. Yep. No, I agree. So uh, overall, that will wrap up our eight foundational, you know, under 26 tight ends that, uh, you know, we, we like putting in this bucket. The next bucket would be your t- contending tight ends. Basically, the tight ends where if you have them on your roster – you better be ready to contend. You better be ready to compete. And these guys are going to give you the suitable production to be able to do so. You guys can see that on the screen with Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, Goddard. Let's start off with the first name, the first tight end amongst this bucket. That's going to be George Kittle. Tight end from the San Francisco 49ers. Currently going off the board as the tight end four, 57th overall on keep trade cut. Tight end five, 48.5 overall on underdog fantasy. Yeah, we don't need to spend too much time here. Every I, I think George Kittle is the best tight end in the league. 
Um, and if not, he's, you know, top three behind, you know, Andrews and Kelsey, if you think that they're better than him, but his values are uh, suppressed a little bit due to the ticky tacky injuries he's suffered the last couple of years, but he still has three straight top four finishes at the position in points per game. Somehow the tight end four in dynasty right now, and somehow the tight end five in redraft. I don't know how the fuck he's going as tight end five in redraft. We know that George Kittle is capable of league winning weeks or week winning weeks. Uh, like pretty much that nobody else can do outside of maybe Travis Kelsey. This guy had like 40 point games last year and yeah, Debo Samuel's there and Brandon Ayuk's there and George Kittle's been banged up the past couple of years. But if you get 16 or even like 14 plus games out of George Kittle, he's going to be a, a very high threat to finish as the tight end one from a redraft perspective. Still has a couple of years left in the tank, probably too, as like 28, 29 year old that he is. So um, I, I definitely think that he's a great value in dynasty right now when he falls, you know, like you said, fourth round in a tight end premium or something like that easy smash at that point yeah i mean it doesn't make sense to me i we, we always refer to opportunity cost let's just talk about underdog fantasy right now are you telling again we talked about this a little off show too are you telling me would you rather walk out of your drafts with Devonte adams and george kittle or travis kelsey and jerry judy because given current adp that is about the relative range for both those guys to me it is a no-brainer Give me George Kittle at cost. Uh, and, and and to put it simply, I mean, yeah, is he on the older side now? Sure, but we're still talking about a 28-year-old tight end who should have at least, you know, what, five prime years yet uh, left of production? Like, if I can get five top five tight end years of George Kittle, 1,100, 1,200-plus yards from George Kittle every single one of those years, as a contender, I am not complaining about that whatsoever. No, not at all. I think, I think it's definitely... Um... It's pretty crazy to me that him and K like Hawkinson are going so close in dynasty startups. So and it should it really shouldn't be that close. Even though, you know, you get three years or whatever of age on on TJ Hawkinson, the tight end position, like you said, you can still get four or five years out of George Kittle, given the fact that he's only, you know, twenty eight point seven years old. So um let's move on to Travis Kelsey. We know what George Kittle is at this point. We should know what Travis Kelsey is at this point also. Currently going yeah. off the board as a tight end three, fifty sixth overall on keep trade cut. Tight end one, 11th overall in underdog fantasy to me is absolutely egregious. There's no chance I would pick him in the first round. Yeah, and uh, I mean, let's just say production won't be Kelsey's problem. Now, if you have to take him in the top 12 of your first round in your underdog drafts, I'm not touching him there, especially when you can get Mark Andrews right after him. You can get Mark Andrews for the most part falling in that mid to late second round, and I would rather Andrews straight up over Kelsey, so I'm not going to have a lot of Kelsey. But either way, I mean, regardless of cost, let's just say, you know, apples to apples, you have to pick a tight end to be able to go into the year. Far from Andrews, I, I would say it is Kelsey. I mean, the, the resume speak, speaks for itself in terms of production. Has been the tight end one or two each year since 2016, along with elite target numbers in each of those years. The problem with Kelsey and Dynasty specifically, again, we could talk about the opportunity cost and redraft all we want. Let's talk about Dynasty, tight end 356 overall. The problem with investing a top 60 overall pick in Travis Kelsey is that A, right, as soon as you draft them, I mean, we, we kind of make that reference all the time, cars versus real estate, uh, you know, your, your Ferraris versus your luxury home. As soon as you take that car off the lot, as soon as you draft Travis Kelsey off your draft board, he is going to depreciate in value. You cannot get the same relative value for Travis Kelsey as you would for that startup pick that you invested into him. To put it simply, 56th overall startup pick, you are not getting 56th overall player value for Travis Kelsey. And the second concern, and it kind of goes into the depreciating asset, but let's just say you pick Kelsey at that spot. You're fine with it. You're willing to ride him off into the sunset. The second problem I have is that given his age, 
he is more susceptible to a decline similar to that of a Julio Jones that we saw this year. Uh, we, we saw, I mean, Julio Jones was arguably the best wide receiver of his entire era and a player that if you were taking in dynasty drafts, you know, last year, the year before you were planning on riding off into the sunset, maybe getting, you know, three, four years of production from him and then just riding off into the sunset, accepting the fact that you weren't going to get return on investment if you were to try to trade him. However, if you drafted him, you definitely weren't planning for a half year of production two years ago and then no year of production last year. That could be the case that happens to Travis Kelsey. Listen, he's one of the best tight ends in the league right now, but the wheels fall off the tracks quick, especially when you're a 33-year-old player uh, who's coming off of such sustained dominance over these last seven years. Yeah, Kelsey, dude, you know what you can get for Travis Kelsey according to Keep Trade Cut right now? You can get an what? early 2024 first for him, apparently. Like to, that to me, that's a great, like there was no way I would take, even if you give me a random 2024 first, I would easily Harvey. take that over Travis Kelsey. He's on par with a mid 2023 first, apparently like no chance, man. Like I, the downside risk with drafting Travis Kelsey, like you said, he, what his dynasty value went down quite a bit last year because he was, he was good. He was the top five tight end the whole season, but he wasn't that much better than the rest of the field, which is what you needed him to be when you draft him that high as that old of a player. And especially in a redraft when you draft him in the first round. So um, for me, I just, I, I'm not going to spend a pick on Travis Kelsey. Yeah. He could give you one more productive year, but what, what would you rather have Travis Kelsey in the fifth round of your dynasty startup draft or Travis Etienne and Rob Gronkowski, like, for, like the type of running back you're going to get where Rob Gronkowski is going is garbage versus where, you can get Travis Etienne and Rob Gronkowski instead of Travis Kelsey and like fucking Devin Singletary. <laughs> if you're lucky, Devin Singletary, you may be looking at like what's even after that range. Like maybe if you're lucky, Chase Edmonds, maybe I don't know. Not even like probably like you're probably looking at freaking like Sony Michelle and fucking guys like that. Like fucking, I don't even know if yeah, you're taking. Like I'm, I'm, dude. I like Gronkowski and Kelsey are not going to be all that different for me from a redraft perspective this year. Don't see a problem there. Insulated offense, elite level uh, talent there with Robin Kuski. If he plays, he's going to be a top six tight end. Yeah, exactly. So we can move off of the Travis Kelsey shit, shit storm. Uh, Darren Waller, tight end six, 85th overall and keep trade cut. Tight end four, 42nd overall on underdog fantasy. In what was like a down season for Darren Waller last year, he still had a 24% target share, third in, uh, amongst the position, third in deep targets and fourth in air yard share. So he can still command targets. And the thing that I like about Darren Waller, especially in like more casual leagues, dynasty leagues or redraft leagues, he only scored two touchdowns, which is inherently going to affect how he finished. He only finished as a tight end six in points per game in the 11 games that he played. He just seems like such a prime bounce back candidate this this year, because with the addition of Devontae Adams, that's going to knock his ADP. People are going to be like, I don't know if Darren Waller is going to get the same level of targets now with Devontae Adams there. But the way I look at the Devontae Adams addition, is he going to command 160 plus targets? Probably. But Devontae Adams, especially in the red zone, commands so much attention. And Darren Waller has been the dude on that offense, the guy that everybody knew that they needed to stop when they played the Las Vegas Raiders. With Josh Jacobs freed up in the backfield with Adams and Waller and Renfro, this offense is probably going to be top 10 in the NFL. So if I can get a guy that's now the second red zone target, not commanding all the attention in the offense, then I think Darren Waller can have a, a, a outlier season as far as a touchdown perspective this season, 10, 12 touchdowns in an offense that could be very, very good. Even if he doesn't see 130, 140 targets like we've seen from Darren Waller, I think he could still have 110 target type of season with a lot of touchdown volume like we haven't seen from him thus far in his career. The biggest 
person or the, the person most affected by the Devontae Adams news. People might point, oh, well, D- Darren Waldo, you know, this target share, blah, blah, blah. You, good players earn targets, yes. And I'll go. Although Hunter Renfro is a good player, that would be the biggest loser from getting a guy like Devontae Adams, not Darren Waller. We know inherently the two most talented players in this offense, bar none, are going to be Devontae Adams or are going to be Darren Waller. Devontae Adams, you slate for your you know, 28, 30, 31% target share, whatever you want to put him at. Darren Waller's going to be right behind that, probably in the 22 to 26% target share range. That's going to be how this offense organized. Derek Carr's going to know his number one and his number two, and that's going to be where the targets are funneled. People, managers, teams, quarterbacks don't think the way uh, a lot of these people do. Oh, well, vacated targets, this means this person's going to step into that. Oh, this person's coming in. This means that this person's going to lose a ton of value. That's not how teams work. That's not how players work. Derek Carr is smart. Derek Carr understands that the two best players in his offense are those two behemoths on the outside. So they are going to get fed accordingly. I have no issues with Darren Waller. If you are trying to compete, enjoy your top six level season that's coming on your way. Yeah, definitely one of the best trade targets, I think, too, at the tight end position. Because um, in the startup, he might be valued about appropriately, I would say. But I think in a trade, you can get him for like probably a late first this year. If you're if you're contending and you don't have you know, a problem giving up your one, 110 to one twelve type of first in this, in this draft class. And you need a tight end to push you over the edge. I'm cool giving up my late first for Darren Waller to push me over the edge as a contender. Yep. No, I agree. So uh, we can transition to the final tight end of the video. And I hate talking about a Philadelphia Eagle, but we're going to talk about Dallas Goddard tight end from the Philadelphia Eagles. Currently going off the board as a tight end eight hundred ninth overall on keep trade cut tight end eight 95th overall on underdog fantasy. So tight end eight on both platforms, both dynasty and uh, redraft. And we kind of mentioned here, Goddard is like that mini, you know, Darren Waller type of case where his ADP and his ceiling are kind of pushed down because of, you know, that elite receiver with AJ Brown coming in. But to me, I mean, Goddard on what a hundred, 110 type of targets in a new and improved Eagles offense with Jalen hurts leading the way. He could be, you know, that efficient tight end that can catch passes, that can score in the red zone area, given his size and given his athletic ability to be able to contribute. This is a team that ran the ball a ton in the red zone area last year with the addition of A.J. Brown with their willingness to try to go into a more pass-centric offense like we saw at the beginning part of the season. I wouldn't be shocked if Dallas Goddard had that quote-unquote outlier, you know, Mark Andrews level 11, 12, 13 touchdown season if they are, are willing to throw the ball more in the red zone area. I am more than fine with passing, you know, 120 plus inefficient targets in a bad offense, especially, you know, from a TJ Hawkinson, especially at cost, when I can just go gear towards a Dallas Goddard 90, 95, 100 target area and be able to get that exposure to a good offense. Yeah, I think we, we we typically get caught up with target volume, especially at tight end where targets are usually, there's not a lot of tight ends that have over 100 targets in a season. And guys like Kyle Pitts last year, a perfect example of this, when you're the only guy in your offense, which it seems like in an ideal world, people would think like, oh, Dallas Goddard would be best if he was the only guy in the offense. But when you're the only guy in the offense, you're the focal point of defense's attentions. But Dallas Goddard is now, he's got two guys on the outside that can take attention away from him. Like you said, if this offense, which again, ran a top five pace of play last year, which is typically not what run heavy offenses do. This, that kind of leads me to believe that they're going to gear towards more of a pass-heavy approach. The fact that they were willing to play up-tempo already. Dallas Goddard, if he has a 22% target share, 20% target share, 21% target share, wouldn't shock me one bit. That might only equate to 90 to 100 targets, maybe 110 or something like that. 
and AJ Brown gets 130, Devontae Smith gets 115, 115 targets or something. But that alone will make him efficient because this offense should be pretty good if all those guys play as well as we think they can. Yep, I agree. So uh, overall, you guys would have heard the cases for a top 12 dynasty tight ends, uh, obviously separated by buckets here. If you made it this far in the video, about 45 minutes in the video, comment down below tight end rankings or tight ends are stinky or whatever you want to comment about tight ends. Basically, something that has to do with tight ends, comment it down below. And as always, if you guys want exposure to some of these tight ends, if you guys want to fill out some of your stacks, Go on Underdog Fantasy right now using promo code FSE, 100% matchback up to $100. Best Ball is the wave. Best Ball is the new upcoming uh, niche in fantasy football period. It's super fun. You draft your team. You don't have to manage your lineup in season. And you could potentially have the chance to win $2 million or $75,000 respectively in the Best Ball Mania 3 and Puppy tournaments now. Code FSC, Underdog Fantasy, 100% matchback. Appreciate the support over there from Underdog Fantasy. Yeah, you also get our Dynasty rankings as a free thank you for using our code. So, And if you also want our Dynasty rankings, patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange. Like we said, Dynasty Decisions Week coming at you guys next week. So if you want to skip the line, make sure you guys get your teams covered. Patreon is the quickest way to do that. If you don't want to do that, you can just reach out to us on Twitter and Discord. Send us your teams in Excel format is always appreciated. So that being said, peace out. We'll talk to you soon.